So what I want to do is I want to read the first couple, few verses of Hebrews chapter 12, and then I want to talk about something for a few minutes and reference different scriptures or, or uh, biblical references, stories as well, uh, as supplementary if we can. So if you could, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 3. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. All right, I want you to make note of that. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So at this particular moment, I want to stop there and then we'll, we'll reference this a little bit more and uh, a little bit better breakdown in different texts. But this past week was 4th of July. Anybody have a good 4th of July? I love the 4th of July, uh, love it or hate it, I'm patriotic, uh, served in the Marine Corps, had a great time in there, I love our great nation, even though I don't agree with all things that happen, uh, I will never fail to uh, appreciate the freedoms that we have. You know, I talk about the freedoms that we have to worship the Lord on a weekly basis in this place freely, safely, and openly. I mean, we can do that publicly. We can post things on Facebook. We can go to Taco Bell at 1230 in the morning. We can, I mean, there's a lot of freedoms that you and I take for granted on a daily basis. We can determine how much money we spend on whatever we want, and we can go into whatever kind of debt we want uh, because of the great nation we live in. We can make as much money as possible. I mean, there's so many great things. I love the 4th of July. Here's the only problem about the 4th of July, in my opinion. And if I ever become president, there's one thing I'm signing into, off, into, into law immediately. Fireworks. I love watching them, but I wouldn't mind if it was like a virtual thing that the whole world just watched one show online. But it showed at like 6.30 or 7 in the evening. Because, you know, it gets dark around 9, 9.15, and what time do the fireworks show? Start. When it gets dark. So we're watching fireworks, and we have for the last few years, but guess what time they start? 9 o'clock, 9.15, some shows 9.30. So if I were to change one thing, if I become president, and I've talked about Michaela about running, um, if I were to get it, I would swap the dates in which we celebrate Christmas and Independence Day. Okay. As many of us know, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. But think about it. We could watch fireworks at 5 o'clock and be home by 6.30 and still have time for dinner and family time. And then you could have Christmas with your family, celebrate Christmas in the middle of July, and you could go swim all day. And you would never get snowed out. You never get iced in. Like if I become president, okay, long if, that's the first thing. I don't care about foreign policy. I don't care about uh, our debt or our GDP. I am changing that immediately. But I just thought to myself, you know, I love the fourth. One of the things that we got to do on the fourth was work out with some of our Fortitude Fitness family. We had an awesome workout. Fourth of July workouts are my favorite because it's a remembrance of all of the sufferings and all 
the, you know, pain, the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into the celebration of this great nation. People that founded this nation, people that have defended this nation, people that continue to serve this nation, not just on public or foreign land, but here domestically. We have people in Congress and in political offices and, and, and first responders and public offices and people who are raising their kids to cherish the freedoms of this nation. We did a workout, and Michaela was my partner for the last two years during this partner workout. And the workout took Michaela and I 64 minutes to complete. Um, and there were many other later teams. Like, it was a long workout. And it was a lot of fun. I love seeing people in pain. All right? Um, I love being in pain myself. But as we were working out, there was a time in which I looked at Michaela. It was towards the end of the workout. I mean, we had a portion in the gym, and then we went on a run. It was almost two miles. It was 1.776 miles. You know why that? Because that was the year in which the Declaration of Independence was signed. So we were getting ready to go on this run. We were on our last round in the gym, and I remember looking at her and kind of saying through my heavy breathing and out-of-shape voice that I have, I just remember saying, just slow it down if you have to, but don't stop moving. Just just whatever you got to do, just move. If we have to do one at a time, we'll do one at a time. If we can keep doing fives, we'll do fives. I said, whatever you got to do, just don't stop moving. We're almost finished in here. <laughs> and then we can go outside and run. Well, as I look back on this week, I couldn't help but to think that time in the gym that we shared, my wife and I and many that are in this room that were there, we all had a time that we got finished. Our time varied from team to team, from partner to partner, But we were all running the same race. We were all running and trying to accomplish the same thing, right? I mean, we all had seven rounds of this to complete and 1.776 miles and 247 jump ropes and all of these things to complete. Yet, maybe we got done faster or slower. Uh, My goal going into it was to beat Adam and Katie (laughs) for the first round. (laughs) And... uh, we kept up with them for like a minute and a half, and we were right there. It was just that other 63 minutes that they really kind of kind of got away. But I think about the, the workout that we did and the amount of time that it took and the amount of work that it took and the amount of, you know, perseverance and endurance that it took, and I couldn't help but to think of Hebrews chapter 12, in which the author of Hebrews tells us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So today I want to discuss for a few minutes you running the race that God has set before you. Because God has work for you to do. God has gifted you with abilities and gifts and talents for you to accomplish the work that he has set for you to do. Your work and my work are all rooted in the same thing, to share the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to share the gospel with people, to be the hands and feet of Christ. But our operations are slightly different. And what I want to do is I want to look at three ways that you and I run the race that God has set before us. 
And as I was thinking about that particular workout and, and it took a long time, I couldn't help but to think that's exactly what the Christian life is, isn't it? I mean, all of us aspire to wake up one day and have all the understanding of the scriptures. We want to be strong in our faith and we want to know just how to handle every situation. And we wake up or we hope to just wake up one day, have this epiphany moment, and we know all of the scriptures. We're as strong in our, in our faith as we could ever be. But the reality is, is that your Christian walk is a journey, is it not? There's good and there's bad, right? Uh, There is ups and then there are downs. There are seasons of joy and prosperity and everything's going well. And then there are seasons of pain and suffering and trials and tribulation. I mean, this is all part of the faith that you and I share So we all have the same race to run. Obviously, some of us are going to run longer than others because we're going to live longer. Some of us may run a little bit faster and we may be more productive during our race here on this earth. Some of us may just aimlessly run and wander around and spend the rest of our lives not doing much for the Lord. But nonetheless, we all have been called to run the race that God has set before us. And it doesn't happen overnight We don't just accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in this one season because guess what? It is a lifelong journey from conversion until death that you and I are to run this race and to glorify him. So again, I want to discuss you and me running our race. So the first point I want to mention is that you and I are to run focused, run focused. And in this text, it says that you and I are to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to whom? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he did not run aimlessly, meaning everything he did, even though he wasn't perfect, even though at moments he fell short, everything he did was to bring glory to God. It was both intentional and purposeful. So are you focused on living your life intentional and purposeful for the glory of God? So do you run focused? In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said that he's straining forward to what lies ahead. Anybody else straining forward and long to see what lies ahead? Anybody else thankful that we have something to look forward to? He says, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Meaning he is focused on not just what is to come, but how he can operate here in the now until that time comes. Because even though he's not there yet, he is focused on what is to come. So you and I have to ask ourselves this question. Are you and I focused on glorifying God in all that we do? Are we truly setting our eyes and looking to Jesus? The reality is, you and I are easily distracted, are we not? I mean, you can just be honest. You and I are easily distracted. We will spend years focused on that one person that we want to marry or that we just got to win over, right? Or that one relationship. We will spend years focused on that one salary or that one job or that one house, or that one vehicle, or that one talent, or that one hobby. We will spend years focused on that one date. You know what date I'm talking about. That date that you can walk off the job site for the very last time, and freedom is yours, and you can just retire, and you can do absolutely nothing, or whatever you want forever. I'm looking forward to that date. August 4th, 2048 is the date. I got it. 
But if I focus on that, not, it's not that you shouldn't focus on that. It's not that you shouldn't focus on your money. It's not that you shouldn't focus on investing. It's not that you shouldn't focus on disciplining or focus on your family or that one person that you love. But when that thing or that person or that date becomes the center of your focus, you fall to idolatry and you are not focused on Christ. Did you know that you were called to bring glory to God more than you are to make money? You are called to bring glory to God and honor Him more than you are to retire by a certain age. You are called to bring glory to God more than you are to love anyone here on the earth. You are called by God to bring Him glory above all things. That is my responsibility and yours. That is the race that God has set before us to bring glory and honor to Him above all things. But because we get so easily distracted... We focus on other things, not constantly focus on the prize that lies ahead or what happened with Paul. He said, I do not run aimlessly. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found yourself looking back over a period of time and wonder why you didn't do something back then? Why you didn't change habits back then? Why you didn't implement something back then? I'll be the first to admit, so Brian started this faith and fitness class in October of 20, and I thought, well, that's nice. Everybody needs a little pick-me-up. It's in the middle of COVID, quarantine, and I was out of shape, overweight, and I thought, well, this would be just some good fellowship. No one's going to take it serious, of course. Um, and then I would go to the faith and fitness class, and we would work out with Brian, and he would lead everybody, and then I would go to Dos Primos, full order of nachos, roble, and multiple Dr. Peppers, and for months, I didn't take it serious. Well, then in about May of 2021, I realized I'm tired of losing my air when I tie my shoes and tired of getting lightheaded just trying to put my shoes on, so I need to do something about that. And I remember looking back at like five years of time, 2016 through 2021, I wasted five years still eats me to this day that I wasted five years of my life neglecting my own health and well-being. Found myself just constantly drowning in my own pity and in my own busyness and finding every excuse why I will just continue to wander aimlessly and run aimlessly. And what I do is I look back and I think, man, there's five years. Has anybody ever been there? You've looked at a period of time and you wish that you would have done something. What happens during that time? Two things. One, you run aimlessly, not focus on the right things. And secondly, we become lazy. Well, I'm not lazy. I got a job. Pro- productivity and busyness are two different things. We get lazy, focus on the wrong things, implementing or, or exhausting our energy and our resources towards these things rather than godly things. So you and I have all called to run the race that God has set before us, and we must run focused on him. We must be intentional and purposeful in all we do. Do you know that you only get the same amount of time I get? Who here would agree that we don't have enough time in the day? I wish some days we had about seven more hours. Some days those seven hours can go to you nowhere, because those days are not what we want to extend. But all of us get the exact same amount of time. All of us are responsible for how we spend that time, how we manage our time, what we do, how we, how we serve or what we work on or how we share the gospel. But here's the problem. If we aren't careful, we will wander around aimlessly. We will run aimlessly, not focus on the, on the race that God has ca- called us to run. Because when I say run the race that God has called you to run or set before you, I am, impl- I am, 
implying here that you and I are to do two things. One, operate in obedience to the call that God has for us. So using the gifts that he has given us. And two, living a life in a conduct and in a manner in which brings glory to God in which he would desire for us to live. So do you operate in obedience to the calling that God has called you? Because if you aren't careful, you and I will run aimlessly and we will be focused on all the wrong things. And then we will look back at years of our life or months of our life or people in our life that we failed in a period of time. Has anyone ever looked back at that one person or those multiple people that God laid in your lap to share the gospel with and you failed to do it? I think we've all been there. We've all been focused on the wrong things at times. So first and foremost, we must run focused, focused on Christ, focused on bringing glory to the Lord, and focused, purposeful, and intentional in all that we do. Because if you waste time, you are not running the race that God has called you to run. You are not running the race that he has set before you. So we must run focused on him. Secondly, we must run fatigued. Anybody here ever been tired? Just exhausted? I'm not saying, I'm not asking you because you stayed up late watching Netflix or Prime Video or, or YouTube or whatever it is. I mean, you just find yourself running at a rapid pace for weeks, months, or even years at a time. You find yourself just worn out. Anybody? I've been there. We've all probably been there. But does that give us a reason to stop running the race? Certainly not. We sang a song about the woman at the well, right? Brian mentioned it. Do you remember that story in John chapter 4 when Jesus goes to the woman at the well? What did he do? He went to get a drink. And in that story, it's one of the most encouraging things to me because what I have found is over time, there are moments in my life where I'm I'm exhausted, fatigued, tired. Four kids, wife, job, church, like it just all goes into one and there's just moments in life where I'm truly fatigued. Jesus goes through Samaria comes to the well, and the Bible says that he was weary, right? Jesus was tired from walking, and he sat down to get a drink. But what did he end up doing for this woman? He revealed to her who he was. So what that's telling me is that even as weary as Jesus was, he did not neglect the responsibility to share who he is with the world. So even as weary as he was and fatigued as he was and exhausted as he was, he still ministered even while weary. So this has been a great challenge for me because there's times in life where I get completely fatigued or tired or weary. And I just think, well, it'll just be easier if I stop. Would it not? Well, if I would just stop serving in this capacity or if I just stop volunteering over there or if I just stop spending this much time or this much money over there, then I would just have more time to myself. What would you do? You would fill it with something else that's pointless, right? That's what we would do because none of us can ever just sit down anymore. It's like we're all running around from one thing to another. And if we are just sitting down, then we are weird or we are unproductive or we're being lazy. Therefore, we have to fill the time of the day with something. So what happens is you and I can become fatigued even by the right things and good things. But if we aren't careful, we will become so fatigued that we think it's just easier or better that I give up. If God truly loved me and if I was doing what he called me to do, then I wouldn't be so tired. You remember Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane? And he tells his disciples, he says, what? You go over there and pray while I pray. And, they're just, and the disciples, the three disciples did what? Two to three different times. Fell asleep. Tired. They've been following Jesus. They've been seeing miracle after miracle. 
Jesus himself is likely exhausted at this point in time. He's about to be arrested and crucified. If anybody had the right to fall asleep, it would have been him. I mean, he's praying in the garden to such a painful degree that he's bleeding from his face. And he continues to pray, not my will be done, Father, but yours. If you can remove this cup from me in any way, if you could just do something different, remove this cup, but not my will be done, but yours. So I wonder how many times you and I get tired of doing the things that we're doing or we are we're reminded weekly of, oh, I got to do this again, or I've got to go there again. I've got to spend this much time. And what happens is we pray, we almost, instead of praying, Father, your will be done, give me the strength. What do we do? We just grow so fatigued or tired that we quit, we give up, or we try to find something else to fill the time. So my question for you when it comes to becoming tired, do you truly trust in the Lord and take him at his word when Isaiah says that those who trust in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Even though they run, they will not what? Grow weary. So there are moments in this race, because it is a journey, it is a lifelong journey from conversion until death, that you and I are running this race for the Lord. You and I are walking this walk of faith in relationship to Christ. There are moments where we get exhausted. There are. There are moments where we are just simply fatigued. We have served in this capacity. We've exhausted this much time here. We have given more of ourselves than we ever dreamt that we could. And we find ourselves fatigued. Well, let me plead with you. If you find yourself tired today, and not just tired because you didn't get enough coffee or you watched too much Netflix last night. I mean tired because you have been running, 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 and running. Let me plead with you to not stop running. To not stop running the race that God has set before you to, even while you are weary and fatigued and tired and want to give up, to trust in the Lord that he will renew your strength. This is not your race. This is the race that he has set before you. He has called you to be his witness. He has called you to be his reflection. He has called me to be his hands and feet. He has equipped me and he has equipped you to accomplish his mission on the earth. So it's not your race. Therefore, you don't have the the means or the authority to determine when you're going to run and when you don't or when to give up or when you don't. He will, if he calls you to do something, he will strengthen you and equip you to do it. Therefore, do not stop running. If you're tired today and you were fatigued, well, guess what? You're in probably really good company because all of us in today's world are running at such a pace that everybody's tired. Everybody's tired. Everybody's addicted to caffeine, higher levels of caffeine as the, you know, the older we get because the more tired we become. And guess what? We all find ourselves weary. Well, let me just plead with you to trust in the Lord that he will renew your strength. As Bill was alluding to earlier, the devil wants you to grow weary and quit. He does. He wants you to realize that raising these kids is just too difficult or volunteering over there or serving this much time over there is just too much. Therefore, let me just grow weary in what I'm doing and let me just give up because it would be easier if I did. That's exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you to grow weary, fatigued, exhausted, and to just stop running. But like I told Michaela the other day on Tuesday, I was bent over, breathing heavy, and I was trying to talk, but that's all I had. What I was saying to her was, don't 
stop moving. I don't care if you do one at a time. I don't care if you have to go get a drink after every rep you do. Don't stop moving. And it was such a reminder of all of us grow tired and weary, but we cannot stop moving. And lastly, we must run forward. We must run forward. That's probably a pretty good idea, isn't it? I mean, no one gets on the track to run backwards. No one joins a race to run in the opposite direction of their opponents, right? I mean, if you do, I guess you could win in your own way. But we all must run forward. That sounds really easy, doesn't it? Hey, just run forward. Well, just one step at a time. You know, I'm just running one step. It might not be very fast. It might not be very, you know, pretty looking, but I can run forward. I would say all of us, if we were to get on this line right here, could probably run to that door. Don't you think? I bet I could beat Jared from this line to that door. Because he probably ate nothing but bad food all week in Florida, you know, sitting on the beach, being lazy. I bet I could beat him. But I bet, I bet all of us could run from that line to that door. Guarantee it. It may not be very fast, and it may not be very pretty. But I guarantee you, you could do it. Now, can all of us run two miles or three miles, four miles? Five miles, well, probably not, because we haven't developed the endurance to do so. And we develop the endurance to run while fatigued and run forward through trials and tribulations and difficult seasons of life. It brings us the endurance because this Christian life isn't a 100-meter sprint. It is a marathon, as people will say. It is a lifelong journey. It is a process of time. But we all must run forward. Whether it's very fast or not, but forward. See, in this text, though, we see that there are two things that can keep us from running forward. So if you go back to Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we're going to read it again. I want to talk about these two things that will keep you from running the race that God has set before you. That will hold you back from running forward. They will hold you back whenever you grow fatigued. They will hold you back and keep you unfocused. So let's go back to it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside, what's this? Every weight. So I want you to make note of that, underline it, circle it, or write it down. Let us also lay aside every weight, and then what's next? And sin, which clings so closely. So two things that will keep you from truly running forward in this race. Because here you might hear some preachers say, well, God doesn't desire perfection. He just desires progress. And I would argue with that. Not just because I'm argumentative in my, in my nature, but I would argue that God truly does desire perfection. That's why it was only a perfect spotless lamb that could truly satisfy him for the payment of our sins. So he desires perfection. He desires for you and me to pursue perfection. He doesn't want you to just wake up and say, okay, this year I'm just going to, I'm going to stop living in drug addiction. Or this year I'm going to stop alcoholism. Or this year I'm going to stop pornography. Or this year I'm going to do this. He desires for you and I to live perfect. But he knows that you and I won't. Doesn't matter how hard we try. Doesn't matter how fast we're moving forward in our faith and in pursuit of Christ. None of us can live perfectly, but we all must strive to move forward in our faith and grow closer and closer to Christ. That is our responsibility. So there are two things that will hold us back and prevent us from truly running forward. The first one is lay aside every weight. Wait. Well, what are weights that will hold you captive? Weights are things that in and of themselves aren't sinful, 
But if you focus on them or put them at the center of your focus, they will become idolatry for you. So what are some weights? I, I wrote down some weights. And again, these are just some weights. You have your own. I have my own. Netflix. Netflix isn't a sin. I mean, some of it's straight from the devil, but some of it's good, right? I mean, Netflix in and of itself is not sinful. But when Netflix takes your time and prevents you from operating in the calling that God has called you to and prevents you from sharing the gospel or prevents you from reading your Bible, if you're spending more time watching ungodly Netflix shows than you are in his word and in prayer and in church, then that becomes idolatry. Anything that you worship in place of God becomes idolatry. And you may say, well, I'm not singing songs to Netflix. Worship isn't just singing songs aloud. It is also how you spend your your resources, your time, your money, and your energy. How do you exhaust those resources? That will be a clear sign of what you worship. Are you spending more time on that? Or, you know, there's now Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. Well, there is something. I spent a lot of wasted time last night watching some Amazon Prime Video of these false heretics casting out demons and all this craziness. And that sucked me in and took some of my time. Guess what? I'll never get that time back. Never. And it kept me up to like 1.30. And I don't like being up late. And my wife hates when I wake up the next morning after being up late. But guess what? I got sucked into it and I watched it. But guess what? I didn't necessarily worship it. But if I were to continue to stay up night after night after night and weary myself out, tire myself down because of this, it would become idolatry. Or you could shop on Amazon. Anybody ever shopped on Amazon and that, and you spent more time shopping on, guess what's coming up this week? Prime days, right? Amazon Prime Day. Some of y'all, I'm going to see your names all week. I am. And I won't even see you, but I'm going to see your name all week. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, All of these things in and of themselves are not sin, but they can become weights that hold you back in your race. And they will weigh you down. And they will distract you from the race that God has set before you. What about your hobbies? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We can't go into hobbies, can we? I mean, surely our golf game or our fishing trips or our shopping sprees, or our gossip hours, none of those can truly become idolatry, right? Certainly. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. There's nothing wrong with watching a Netflix show. There's nothing wrong with scrolling through Facebook. But if these things become the center of your focus, they are weights that hold you back and prevent you from running forward the race that God has called you to run. Therefore, I want you to consider the weights that are holding you back today. Secondly, the other thing that prevents us from running forward is sin. He says here to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Some of us are not running forward in our faith. Some of us have spent years and we feel as if we've gotten no closer to the Lord. We have no greater understanding of Scripture. We have no greater discipline when it comes to overcoming temptation. We, we continue to struggle with the same things. And we've been looking back for years now wondering why we haven't grown closer to God. I guess He's run away from me. No, no, no. It's probably because you've continued to comfortably and intentionally live in sin. 
And it is holding you captive, preventing you from truly growing closer to the Lord. It's preventing you from growing an understanding of his word. It's preventing you from growing stronger in your self-discipline when it comes to overcoming temptation. And here's what's happened. You have been wanting to run. You've been like a treadmill runner. I used to run on the treadmill whenever it would be raining outside. But guess what? A lot of movement, but you aren't going anywhere. In the Proverbs, the sluggard is referred to a hinge of a door. It opens, it closes, it moves, but guess what? It does not go anywhere. So some of us, because of our own sin, because of our own weights, we have been running, but we have been running aimlessly, and then weeks, months, or even years will pass, and we will look back and wonder, why haven't I gotten any stronger in my faith? Why do I feel further and further away from God. I've been going to church. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been busy. I've been raising kids. I've been working hard. But guess what? We, we have been focused on the wrong things and we have been held captive by our sinfulness. So if you're here today and you were to look at the life that you're living right now and you would be able to identify you are not running the race that God has set before you, there's two things that are likely holding you back. One, the weights that you have continued to carry that are just simply dead weights that need to be shed or sinfulness that you've continued to live in that holds you captive that Christ came to set you free from. So today as we close, I want you to just consider the life that you lived up to this very moment in time. Have you run the race that God has set before you? Have you been focused on intentional and purposeful in all that you do to bring glory to God and to run the race that he has called you to live? Have you been focused on living a life that he desires of you? Have you been running even while fatigued? You found yourself growing weary from time to time, but you have developed the endurance to withstand any situation, any circumstance, any amount of energy that you have or do not have. Have you continued to run while fatigued and have you continued to move forward during this race? So if that is you today, I want to tell you one of the best movies ever made, uh, in my opinion, was, was about this army soldier that got drafted and he had a good friend named Bubba and you know anywhere that he went he was what he was running you know and if that is you today if you've been running focused if you've been running while fatigued and if you've been running forward I want to tell you to keep doing as Forrest did just keep on running just keep running But if you're here today and you realize that you have not been focused on glorifying the Lord, if you've been held down by the weights of this world, by the hobbies or the interests or the or the desires of this world, if you have been held captive by the sinfulness of your own heart and you have found yourself growing further and further away from God, I'm telling you that you've been running aimlessly and it's time for you to repent of your sin and call upon his holy name to forgive you of your sinfulness and to lay aside every weight so that you could begin running the race that God has called you to run. And I want to give us all a moment today to look at the life that we have lived to this very moment and to be able to discover and to evaluate and to weigh the race that we have been running. Have you truly ran the race that God has set before you? Because until we die, we are not finished running. Until we breathe that last breath, we still have work to do. Let's pray.